What's going on, guys? Welcome to the show. Welcome back to another episode of Action Movie Anatomy here on the Popcorn Talk Network. We're talking about one of the most harrowing stories released in the United States in 2017. One of my favorite films of the whole year and a movie you need to see right now if you haven't seen it. Action Army, get on board. It's time for Wind River on Action Movie Anatomy. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Action Movie Anatomy. Boom! Oh, God, it's good. This song is used throughout the film. (laughs) 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 What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show! This song seems completely inappropriate totally for this film uh, and what we're covering today. But God, I'm so excited about <laughs> we, today. We didn't used to use this song for everything. It no, it just became. It just happened after we did uh, Training Day. Training Day on this show. Yeah, a, a modern American western. If I do say so, no, it's not. Yeah, it's not. Um, and then uh, yeah, and then we love it, and now we, now it's our Schmodown entrance song. So we use it for everything now. Yeah, I listen to the song when I get up in the morning, when I go to sleep at I night. I do it anytime I enter any room. <laughs> I just play it on my phone. People hate it. People don't invite me to things anymore. I broke my phone. (laughs) (laughs) What's up, guys? Welcome to the show. It's Action Movie Anatomy on the Popcorn Talk Network. We're chatting uh, movies. We're talking pop culture by the bucketful. Uh, We want to talk a little bit about Wind River today. It's the movie we're covering. It's the third film in the Tyler Sheridan uh, New American Frontier trilogy. Mm -hmm. And uh, we are excited to break this one down. This is a movie that I saw probably six weeks ago in limited release. And at the time I saw it, I thought it was awesome, but it didn't feel action-y enough. Yeah. And then the swell has really caught everyone's attention, and more and more people are seeing it. And then you saw it with me this a couple days ago. Yeah. And some of our fans about a week ago were suggesting we do it on the show. Yeah, Paul Oyama here is taking credit for it, and that's that's great, man. I mean, uh, I definitely agree that this is if this is one of those post one hundred films that were uh, on our show. You know yeah. what I mean? Like where we're yeah. kind of breaking the boundaries a little bit. Um, it feels appropriate, though, and I understand throughout the first maybe 20 to 30 minutes while they're setting up the story, it does feel a little slow, but it also feels right. right. You know what I mean? Like, you're like, God, what's going to happen? What's happening? This seems wrong. Renner's a badass. Uh, you're totally on board with this hero. Yeah. You know, and then and then it isn't. it doesn't really truly evolve into a true action movie. But there's great elements of action in this, and it's it like I said, it just has the right feel, man. I loved this movie. Me too. Yeah, huge fan. Really excited about this movie. Excited to talk about it. Um, it's just exciting when movies like this come out. It's like a, it's not quite actiony. It's not franchised. It's mm-hmm. not based on a book. It's just an original story told really well with great actors doing their thing. So yeah, and the story's not anything crazy. Uh, like crazy inventive or anything it's just like it is original it's just told incredibly well acted really well shot beautifully um can't wait to talk about it today yeah absolutely so guys if you want to follow along in the conversation you can find us on the action movie anatomy fan page as well as the action army fan page they're two warring factions (laughs) now it's i think it's a lot of the same people one's for the show one is for our action team action personas on the schmodown but Mm -hmm. a lot of there's a lot of conversation about awesome movies that go on on both so i recommend checking out both uh and i think there's links to each other on each other yeah absolutely where can the people find you you guys can find me personally at ben bateman media on twitter or instagram and you guys can find me on the same two platforms at andrew guy and uh, we're going to get into it. Before we do, I should remind everybody here, we cover action movies on the show, the show that adhere to four basic rules. Rule number one, the hero always plays by their own rules. Uh, yeah, totally. He, Yeah, he, he appears to play by other people's rules, but he's always doing what he wants. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's got a mission the whole time, and it's certainly not the FBI's mission. That's right. Uh, rule number two, the hero and the villain are always the smartest people, beings, things, dinosaurs, what have you, in the room. I think this is a really interesting one, because he's your classic smartest guy in the room. Yeah. Um, but there isn't a villain in this movie 
who's really the smartest guy in the room. Yeah, and let, I want to just throw this out there real quick, and this is this always goes without saying on the show, but just because this film is so new, and so are the next couple films we're covering on this show, there are always tons of spoilers. Tons. This, this show is riddled with spoilers. Everything about this show is a spoiler. So um, I agree with what you're saying, but I also disagree, because I feel like that group, the villainous group, we'll just call them that for now, um, I do feel like they are the smartest people in the room. Like, they, they've covered it all up. They've covered this up really well. And if it's yeah. not for how smart Renner is, right. no one's going to figure this out. And also, no one's really going to look for it. So it's like they're doing it in the right place. It's almost like they're accidentally the smartest people in the room. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, because, because like, the circumstances and the surroundings are so vague and vast that no one cares, no one's looking. Yeah. Um, right, right. And I, I mean... The other thing I was going to say is you could say that, like, the lion that he's tracking is like, yeah. the smartest. <laughs> Which is, I love that it's just uh, a MacGuffin. Yeah. No one cares. Totally. It doesn't matter. Um, rule number three, the movie is driven by... Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Police, military, political, or mercenary figure. I mean, he's a hunter. He's a contracted hunter. Well, no, so doesn't he work for the wildlife police or like the? He's like contracted by the government. I'm pretty sure, isn't he? I don't think so. Huh. I don't think he's any kind of law enforcement figure. I think he's literally a contracted hunter to protect the lands. Interesting. All right. Because so, he's not tribal but, police. So then he's technically a mercenary figure. Yeah, <laughs> call that's him true. that. And uh, we've definitely expanded these rules. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Everything fits. <laughs> Rule number four, the movie contains a minimum of one explosion. There's no explosions in this movie. I know. I was really thinking about that. There, yeah. There's not, right? It's not the kind of movie that would have an explosion. It's the kind of movie that if there was an explosion... It would be like something in the wilderness. Right. Or it would be like, uh, you know, it would be like a, like a, like a fuel tank out like near a generator, near a cabin or or something yeah that yeah that he would shoot to save the day mm-hmm. but it doesn't seem like the kind of movie where there'd be like a big explosion that's not the kind of movie it is no it would be it would be inappropriate yeah so uh that's the rules of action movie anatomy that uh we still we still state them every show but you know they're a little looser than they used to be um before we get into the trailer guys i want to remind everybody that we are going to be covering today on the show a ranking of the big tyler sheridan three films yeah. his three written films this being his directorial second film uh we which we're not going to rank vile um we are going to be talking about ama questions we had a bunch submitted by our fans we are going to be talking about our favorite revenge films of all time andrew and i both have a handful of awesome ones as well as all the other fun games you guys have come to know and expect on the show so stay tuned let's get into the trailer for wind river it was good. I like that. Thanks. It was impressive. <laughs> Every now and then you impress me, Ben. <laughs> I love that he was just like, fuck the producers, I'm going to put this in Sundance without telling anybody. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know the that. emergency assistance. What's your location? The Wind River Indian Reservation. I'm Jane Banner, FBI. Welcome to Wyoming. You by yourself? It's just me. That's Corey Lambert. He's the one who found the body. God, this, this is a homicide. I knew that girl. She's a fighter. They have six officers to cover an area the size of Rhode Island. Maybe you can help. I only know what the tracks say. What is it that you do again? I'm predators. 
So why don't you come hunt one for me then? <laughs> Why would a teenage girl be out here? What's she running from? You're looking for clues, but you're missing all the signs. Shouldn't we wait for backup? This isn't the land of backup, Jane. This is a land of your on your own. Watch the oh my god. It's pretty sweet trailer. The answers you're looking yeah. for. No matter what you find. Yeah, it's a well-cut trailer. Why would your daughter run from home? I don't know why. She didn't tell me. Out here, you cannot blink. Not ever. This place, what it takes from us, what it took from you. I got lucky. Yes. Luck lives in the city. Get your hand off that weapon! Trailer. I want to watch it again right now after yeah. that. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Movies um, like this. I love movies like this. There's a couple more movies coming out. Murder on the Orient Express, yep. Suburbia, and The Snowman. Uh, Suburbia? You mean Suburbicon? Suburbicon, excuse me. Yes. Suburbicon looks like it's some quirky... It's George Clooney directed, I think. Yeah. Some quirky, like... Uh, Damon. Yeah, kind of like mafia people in suburbs owe money. Like, he becomes... Like, Whatever, something man, like that. And uh, pushed to his farthest extent. Yeah, Murder on the Orient Express is a remake of a 1974 film um, that is well-known and very famous. And I don't know, the trailer for the new one looks pretty creepy. We'll see. We'll see if we want to do that on the show. And I don't know anything about The Snowman. Uh, I, I, I mean, yeah, we don't need to talk about it, but there's just these are other movies that are like crime thrillers that look super interesting to me that are yeah. coming out. And I really... You almost forget how much you love a great crime movie because so many bad ones are made. Oh, my God, I know. It's funny, like, it's truly... I've said this before on the show, but uh, what Schmodown does for us is it makes us realize the kind of movies we actually watch. Yeah. The kind of movies that we really pay attention to, the ones that when we see the trailers we remember. And the ones that we missed that we need to go back and rewatch. And it, what it makes you, what it made me realize was that like the kind of movie I've grown up loving and watching my whole life, yeah. they've all been like heavier dramas, crime thrillers, like that's all I have. I mean, I like dramas, but like I love whodunits. I love mysteries. I love like you know like corporate espionage movies. Like it's my favorite stuff to watch. Yeah, Courtroom. and that's t- totally uh, um, accredited to your father, attributed to your father. Yeah, you know what I mean? Because yeah, yeah, yeah. those are the type of movies he loves. Right. Uh, anyway, so I just thought that was interesting watching this trailer. There's so many other great trailers for good thrillers coming out. The Snowman. Every time you say The Snowman, it reminds me of that Michael Shannon movie, The Iceman. Oh yeah, which is also he does great in that. It's actually a good movie. Yeah, it's like one of those movies that I feel like probably probably got uh, theatrically released, but like mm-hmm. I don't ever remember it hitting theaters. But it's your classic Netflix movie that it's been available on Netflix for years. Yeah, and like the festival circuit type movie. Yeah, I've seen it a couple times just because like my roommate gets wasted and watches it all the time. <laughs> yeah, it's weird, weird thing. Uh, all right, yeah. So let's get into it, guys. Uh, first thing we're gonna do on the show is thesis statement. Thesis statement is the it's, it's your big bold thought, the thing you want to say about this movie that you would defend all throughout. Uh, that you know, if a movie came up at a party or something like that, you would say, well, the thing about that movie is this. And then somebody would say, I don't believe you, and say, well, this is why. Um, and I'm going to jump in first with mine. My thesis statement is that this is Jeremy Renner's career performance. It's the best performance of his entire career. And that includes, that includes, by the way, The Town. That includes The Hurt Locker. Mission Impossible 5. Mission Impossible 4 and 5. That includes Dahmer. 
Uh, oh, yeah, Dahmer's one of those out there. Someone else, I'm looking for it up here, and I might not find it, and I apologize, but someone else said the exact same thing, that they think this is uh, the strongest performance of his career. It's an incredibly subtle performance, I think, is the reason that I that I think that. Now that I've seen the movie twice, um, the reason I say it is this. Raylan. Oh, it's one of our new, it's an Action Army member. Oh, and I, welcome I, Action Army. I will butcher your name, Ray, Ray Han, so I'm just going to say that. So, this is my thought. Um there's not a whole lot of dialogue in this movie from Jeremy Renner. Mm-hmm. He has like three scenes in the movie that he that he speaks quite a bit. The most of the rest of the movie is like very stoic, doesn't really say very much. Um, he's he gets to be the smartest guy in the room. He has awesome lines written for him. He's a cowboy. Yeah. The reason I like this character so much is that the scenes they do give him are these like really matter of fact. Like like there's subtlety to it. Like for instance, when she comes in his house, he says, "You want anything to drink?" And she says. Sure, I've got water, milk. He doesn't even offer her alcohol. I know. I yes, because what you, what you probably think about is he probably used to drink, and he probably had to stop drinking because he probably drank too much mm-hmm. to get over the death of his daughter. Yep, and he knows that he should go nowhere near alcohol. That's like that's what I read from that was like he doesn't even talk about it. It's not in the house, um, and I, I just love like the subtlety of the subtlety of this character and the fact that in his moments, in his few moments that he gets to be emotional. He shows that he's just a regular ass dude. He's not the guy that's never going to cry. He doesn't full on break down. Yeah. He just has these moments where it's like, yeah, if you were talking about your your past daughter for that past years ago and you were talking about it, even though you've talked about it a hundred times, you'd get choked up a little bit, even if you were the stoic cowboy yeah. character, because you're human, of course. And it's your daughter. And, and the things that he says, it's like, obviously, you give so much credit to Renner, but it really comes down to Taylor Sheridan and the things that he's writing and the words that he writes and, and, and the way that he uses subtlety in his writing is incredible because that scene that he has with his dad, um, we, have the, we have this segment on our show. It's called The Explosion of Emotion. Yep. And um, it's definitely, without a doubt, it's that moment right. when, when the dad goes outside and they, you know, they look at each other and the door shuts. And well, you I can think just hear him screaming. The first moment is, is the look. just the door opens and you just see his face. Yeah. Uh, and the look on his face. Because right beforehand, you see how hard he can be towards Caitlin, or uh, Caitlin Olsen, yeah. uh, Elizabeth Olsen. <laughs> yeah. You know, and then you see him, kind of, his face just changes immediately when he sees Ryan. Of course. And then... The subtle use of of cinematography in that where it's just off screen right. and you hear the screaming is just it's beautiful. The well, direction, I, it's incredible. I was also thinking like, okay, so if he wins the Oscar or he gets nominated for the Oscar for this movie, what's the scene they're gonna show when they cut to his name? What's the what's the twelve seconds or fifteen or twenty seconds they're gonna show? And I was thinking it's probably it's that scene or it's the scene where he's telling Jane about what happened to his daughter. And I have to think Interesting. it's it's probably that it's probably that one with on the porch. Because I have a feeling it would be, you know, I saw a grief counselor underneath that. He told me two things. One, first, you know, I, I got good news and bad news. The bad news is you're never going to be the same. You lost your daughter. Nothing can ever replace that. Mm-hmm. The good news is that whole that whole bit that he gives, you know, you'll be able to visit her in your mind. Yeah, and then, like, uh, in that same scene, <clears throat> someone po- pointed out where the, the mother is cutting herself. Yeah. And it's just like... Again, it's subtle. It's really hard to watch, and and when you go in the room, it's not very subtle. No, but just the way it's all dealt with, yeah, is done. It's just it's just beautiful. Uh, which wants me to lead lead leads me to my thesis, and I originally wanted to say this is like the greatest use of subtlety in a film ever, a contemporary film, maybe to cover my ass a little bit, but it still seems a little broad. Yeah. So what I am going to say is that this is the greatest American revenge film ever made. Wow. And I strongly believe that. 
And when I say American, I mean a film that is a revenge story based in America or like an American story. So that cuts out a lot of movies out there. And we're going to get into a discussion about our top five favorite revenge films. And I'd say that 90% of them are set in different countries. You think it's a better movie than Kill Bill? I think this is a better movie than Kill Bill. Oh, that's surprising. I really do. Uh, I really love Kill Bill and I enjoy Kill Bill for a lot. It's a different type of movie. Yeah. Uh, And I look at... Kill Bill is more of like a great action movie with revenge in there, whereas like this is just a revenge movie for him because he's he has to get that closure. He has to get the closure, and it's also it's so interesting because if you want to talk about revenge, it's it's also a revenge story on like Native American culture, yeah, and and like the white man, you right? You know what I mean? Because in the end, you find out who the bad people are, right? And and like what it comes down to, it's these contracted security guards yeah. working on Native land, right? Shouldn't be there again you know so it's this story about revenge throughout the whole movie and it's again it's subtle it's beautiful and there's also at the end it's a great payoff which you always want in a revenge film of course yeah yeah it's a super satisfying payoff at the end yeah yeah yeah, um, yes. yeah it's 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 true there's i, I watched an interview with tyler Sher- taylor sheridan i keep calling him tyler sheridan i'm not really sure how i decided that it was tyler sheridan sometimes we just do that i did that with uh rain johnson yeah, but who was the what was the Ryan? <laughs> really? Yeah, because it's spelled weird. It's like an R I A N, but still, it should just be Ryan. Yeah, <laughs> what was the one on Star Wars? That, oh, uh, Alec McGinnis. No, <laughs> it's, it's like stop saying that. Um, so I think yeah. So I think that uh, I watched an interview with T- uh, Taylor Sheridan, and he was talking it's about Tyler. The, <laughs> he was talking about his decision to make Jeremy Renner's character a white man. Um, as opposed to making him Native American. and Yeah, and I actually want to bring that up. Go ahead and continue your point, and I'll give credit to the question. Yeah, what he was saying was that basically, basically, he's a white man. He can write the story accurately from a white man's point of view. He has a lot of Native American friends. He John has, Tedward Coster on Facebook asked this question. Thanks, John. Uh, and he has a strong connection to the Native American community, but he didn't feel that it would be authentic or a proper telling of the story if he tried to make Corey Native American because he wouldn't understand how to write the character accurately and he didn't want to try to tell that story if he didn't feel like he could do it the right way. And so that to me is like, it's the it's the sort of like, because you, you'll get people who are complaining like, why does the lead character have to be white? Right. But it's like that because that's the story. Like because that's the guy writing it is white and that's he wants to be able to tell the story the way that he knows how to tell it. If he, if he tries to write a Native American character and it's bad, people are going to be like, why'd the white guy try to write a Native American character? Yeah, and it, uh, and it doesn't feel like... Because another great example of this is when Tom Cruise is in The Last Samurai. Right. Because it's actually a very good film and it was nominated for Oscars and he, he has a great performance and he kind of adopts their culture. Whereas this, I mean, I'm sure to an extent Renner adopted this culture, but you don't ever get the, you don't ever get that, you don't ever see it happen. No. It's just he is so much embedded in their culture by the time that you see him in this film. Yeah, because he married a Native American woman and that to me, and the way that it's handled in the movie is extremely realistic. It's like, that's just, that became his life. He married a Native American woman, so he adopted a bunch of Native American American culture, but it's he doesn't by any means identify himself as Native American. Not at all, but he definitely ident- identifies himself as one of the people there. Yeah, you know, which I love. Yeah, definitely. Um, and to to uh, jump back for a second to just finish the thought on this being Renner's career performance, because I do want to just address the other performances people would say. Yeah, so that would be the town arrival. Um, yeah, yeah, probably Hurt Locker, Dahmer. Yep. Um, you know, with Dahmer, you're you're talking about playing. An early playing an early role in your career with a, a, an actual historical figure, and it's a good performance. It's not a full movie I've seen. I've, I watched clips of it preparing for this to make sure that I could, with certainty, give this statement. Um, 
it's just a it's it's an easier role to play and give context to because okay. you're playing it's based on somebody real. Um, Hurt Locker is a great performance. I love Hurt Locker. It again feels like an easier character to play. You're, yeah. There's there's not as much there. Like you get to. I feel like the framing of the movie is what makes that movie great as much as Renner being great in it. And finally, the town is like maybe a a better performance in some sense in this movie, but it's also a much flashier character. Yeah, it's for a way sure. Easier and, character to make awesome. And even though he uses subtlety great in that movie, it still is a much bigger character. Yeah, like you get to be the fucking hard ass guy from Boston. Yeah. It's like awesome. It's hard to it's hard to screw that up. Like you could screw it up, but it's the same way that it's like if you put talented people playing the Joker, they're going to be pretty much good almost 100% of the time. Almost. Like, even Jared Leto in Suicide Squad, I don't feel was a bad Joker. I feel like the telling of the Joker in the Suicide Squad movie is what made that character. poorly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he was still, like, a good Joker. Like, yeah, I mean, it wasn't... It's just so hard because he's always going to be compared to, to right. the other two. Uh, three, if you want to throw Hamill in there, but... Um, but yeah, so that's my point, is that I think to to bring life to this role in the way that it did... He really steals the show in this movie. He drives the movie without him delivering and being that just like, yes, this is my guy from the first time you see him. Yeah. This movie would not be as good as it is. Not even close. Not at all. And I and I actually really agree because I love the town. I love Arrival and I love the Hurt Locker. Yeah. And I and I think he's I think he's better in this. And when we were sitting down during the movie, you leaned over and you said uh you said I could see him getting nominated for this. Yeah. And I had this moment where I was like, I don't know. Yeah. Because it feels almost too subtle of a character. And I still haven't made up my decision on it. Yeah. But, uh, I, I mean, he got nominated for Hurt Locker. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So right. I think I think he could do it. And, and the town. Yeah. Um, I think you should for this as well. Yeah. Definitely. I think it's going to just depend on what else is out there. Um, you know, there's a handful. You know Oldman's going to get it for Darkest Hour. He'll pro- probably win it. He's the front runner. You know, me, I, me, 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 me. I think there's a pretty strong chance Jackman gets nominated for Logan. The more the more I've thought about it, the more time that passes. Um, I think as much for the fact that he's great in it, it's just that he's only gotten one career nomination so far, and he's this, like, treasured actor. Uh, and it's a great performance. What are you talking about? Uh, Jackman and Logan. Oh, yeah. I just yeah. think that it's the it's the kind of... This, to me, feels like he'll get nominated for this movie. Like, that, that'll that be the big nomination from that movie. Um, it, I don't think it'll get nominated for Best Picture anymore, but I think he'll get nominated for Best Actor and probably Patrick Stewart as well. Yeah, yeah, I, I really hope that happens. All right, so to turn, just completely split foot, or... <laughs> that was really hard. You want to get into fist pump? Is that what you're saying? I just want to change gears here is what I was trying to say. Oakley dokley. Guys, let's get into fist pump moment. This is that moment in the movie something happens. You're just like, yes, this is so good. I get to watch the rest of this movie right now. Or it's a more subtle movie, and you, you lean on everybody, and you're just like, how fucking sweet is this movie, right? Yeah. You know, and this movie, there's a couple that you're just like, yes, this is amazing. Yeah, this is definitely one of the ones where you lean over, and you kind of look at each other, you're just like, yeah, yes, right? Awesome. Yeah. Um, um, it's tough. Do you uh, do you want to go first, or would you like me to go first? Because I because the one that you that I know is your original one has yeah. been talked about here numerous times. So I think I think you should go first. The first time I saw this movie, um, the the literally the moment. I mean, because the, the thing is with fist pump moments is it's really difficult when we do old movies to properly remember what it is right. because now you've seen the movie and you've like you know you've you've made the movie kind of legendary in your mind. So you go back to watch it and you kind of know what you're looking for. When you watch a movie for the very first time, it's that moment. And that's the thing. And so in this movie, for me, the moment that really got me going was when they enter that house uh, and the dude pepper sprays them. And Elizabeth Olsen is, she's like, you know, she's puking and she gets her gun out. She's trying to figure out what's going on. She can't really see properly. That moment of getting pepper sprayed, too, was just like, it was so intense. Yeah, and they did it the right way where they're vomiting and, like, foaming. and you know, Because that was like bear bear mace. Yeah. Yeah. And they get... uh, 
and she's like she's like stumbling around the room and she like rounds the corner and the dude shoots a shotgun and she just she you, I think you know she can't really see yeah but she pulls out the gun and she kind of crouches down and she walks forward towards she's the sound walking, yeah. unloads the full clip into this dude and then reloads and stops to check him and like it was just so just like yes she's like takes care of it and it's yes. also because it was such a heightened moment you know she couldn't see that well. She was really shooting at the sound and the outline of this guy to take him out. Yeah. And it was just such a cool, like, that's like a law enforcement. That's like a moment. Like, that's like that's like what a trained officer, you know, of, of the government would do in that moment. Yeah, it was incredibly real. She was terrified, but she just stuck to her muscle memory. She crouched down. She walked forward. Like, yeah. she, she, she made her target smaller. Like, ah, it was awesome. Yeah. Uh, for me, it wasn't a fist bump. It was just like a holy shit like yeah. that was intense moment that whole thing for me because from the minute that, that dude opens the door and he's high and you're kind of like all right this, this is, is not creepy. gonna go well yeah. yeah and then he's like reaching for the thing for way too long and it's 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 so easy when you watch a movie to be like shoot him shoot him but like in this movie you didn't want to say shoot him right it was like god what's gonna happen because right. in real life that's what you're gonna you can't just cap somebody because they're reaching because they're reaching for something and this dude's yeah. high like anyway so god that moment was so good uh I know there's one at the end that we can both talk about, but my fist pump is an—it's a very emotional one. Yeah, and it's after that moment on the porch when Renner and the dad talk, and they cut away, and they come back, and the dad's calmed down, and it's the end of the scene, and the dad says something to him, and he's like, he looks at him, and he's like, "You find him, yeah, he's like, you know what to do, you understand, or something like that." Yeah, and and Renner like, goes, "Right where he stands, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right where he stands," and uh, again, subtlety. It's just you. I looked over at you, and I was just like. Yes. Yeah, I think it's interesting too uh, talking about his his need. So, so again, the same interview with Sheridan. He's talking about uh, the choice to make Renner's character have lost a daughter, and why does he need to have experienced? Why does he need to have ha- need to have experienced that to play this part the way that he does? Yeah. And uh, what Sheridan says is that you know this idea of closure is a concept that came up, that was come up with in the '90s by psychiatrists that we all need to have closure to move on from things, but it's not real life. In the '90s, wow. Um, that that something happens and you don't get closure. You have to live your life and go on, and there's this hole in you, and that's what it is. And he was like, and he really wanted to be able to connect. Um, he really wanted to be able to connect these two characters, uh, the two fathers, and just make it this thing that, like, Renner, it's not like by, it's not by doing this, Renner experiences closure. This is just his, this is his hunt that he never got. Yeah. Um, this yeah, is the hunt sure. that he never got to avenge his daughter, um, which is why it is a revenge movie, but it's definitely not a traditional revenge movie in that sense, because it's not, he's not getting actual revenge on the people that, that did wrong to him. Yeah. 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 So, um, and then I want to say the last one at the end, and it's interesting because Fist Pump, I feel, your true fist pump moment, it's tough if it's at the end of the movie because that means he didn't really have one throughout the rest of it. Yeah. Which I feel like is almost, uh, it's a bad sign. Yeah. But you could have multiple fist pumps Definitely. for sure. Yeah. And I think the one at the end for sure that everyone's talking about is after the shootout when the first sniper shot goes off and, oh, the, yeah. and the dude just like blows up. He's yeah. just gone. And I, and I love it too because, again, subtlety, we talk about it. Renner's just carrying that gun throughout the whole movie. Yeah. And you're like, God, this thing's going to be, and you see him making the bullets. And, like, for people that know and don't know ammunition and making ammunition at home, I don't know it well. Yeah. And I didn't actually put two and two together when he was weighing out the the um, amount of gunpowder in there, and it was .49937 something. Yeah. It's a fifty caliber round. Yeah. That's what it is, which is why later on, which is like a Barrett fifty cal is the modern-day one of those yeah. uh, in the Army. And, yeah, when he finally uses that. Yeah. Oh, well, see, amazing. it's another thing where, like, just as a, as a filmmaker, this is where you know Sheridan is truly talented is... He uses that 
he uses that so well. You know, when a movie is made like this with a budget like this, and they shot this thing in 30 days in like sub zero, sub zero weather yeah. at 30,000 feet. She experienced uh, snow blindness at one yeah. point. It's like, it was a tough movie. It was miserable. Everything was in the snow. And there's not like, there's, it's not a very complicated movie. There's, there's not much money. Um, 11, yeah, 11 million dollars. Yeah. So when you think about what am I going to use to really sell this movie, to really keep people engaged, one of the things that he does so well is he has that gun around, he's got the bullets, and then from the minute Brenner's up on the top of that mountain and he finds the body, and you see them walking down there, you obviously know shit's about to get real because you can just tell when they when the, the moment, why are you flanking me, that whole moment. Yeah. And you know, you're basically waiting from the minute the shootout starts, when's the first round going to come when is from it the gonna happen? Yeah. When's Renner going to take the first guy out? Because you you're like, he knows what's up. He's got this sniper rifle. You know that's what's going to happen. Yeah, and we've already seen from earlier in the movie that this dude is so tactically intelligent. He says the line, you don't, you know, you don't find wolves by going where you think they're going to be. You go where they've been. Right. And it's like at the, in that same uh, part where your fist pump is with the shootout, it's like she's going through the house like trying to find this dude. He just like casually walks around the back, gets the picks shovel. up the show snovel, or snow shovel and just knocks the dudes out. Right. I, I love it. Yeah. Yeah, that was one of my favorite moments is just waiting for the first shot. And, yeah. and it goes off. And then, and then uh, what is his name? Ted? No, not Ted. Um, the Pete. Pete. And Pete just, just like uses the machine gun. And yeah. just starts unloading <laughs> through the window. Yeah. Yeah, these so guys good. like not afraid to just like get real. Yeah. And, and, and I, you and I, we had a conversation. We walked out. I was like, I wish after the first shot, before he takes out the two guys real quickly, it would, like, check to him real quick, cut back to him adjusting yeah, the scope. And, and we and just, still, I still don't know if it's necessary or not, but it's definitely the action movie uh, ultra, uh, enjoyer, connoisseur, that's like, maybe I needed that. I kind of like that you didn't see where the shots were coming yeah. from. You do see him in the distance for a second, but that the, the guys just get, like, the one through the window is the one, right? The, yeah. the two guys out there are great, but the one through the window is the one just where, like, <laughs> and, like, thrown through the table. Yeah. yeah. And you see Pete, he's just pissing himself yeah yeah it was a satisfying death he was a real he was a good villain yeah um so all right guys let's continue moving through the show we're gonna get into our uh, uh, character uh, star profiles <laughs> we're gonna get into star profiles right now uh, talk a little about where these guys were in their careers when this film was made um so jeremy renner yeah we just covered a movie with jeremy renner like i don't know two months ago we did the hurt locker uh-huh. six weeks ago and then um, a year it's been a year i saw that we since we've done the town yeah yeah really only a year yeah I thought it was longer than that. It's a good episode. Go check it out. Yeah. Um, we His last movie was Arrival. Great movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Oscar nominated. Best Picture nominated. One of the better films of last year, I thought. I, I loved it. I was blown away by it. He's excellent in it. Uh, prior to that, you have Captain America Civil War. Uh, he's great. He's great as Hawkeye. He's kind of... Like, those he's roles... He's like a very whatever character in those movies. I honestly me. just think that, like, the entire superhero generation of films, like, the whole entire last ten years... It's so weird because they're the they're the movies that most of these actors will be most remembered for because they make so much money and everybody sees them and they're just in our consciousness. Mm-hmm. But aside from Downey as Iron Man and maybe one or two others, most of the performances by the actors are like totally good enough. They're, yeah, they're fine. They're like it's but you understand these guys are mostly acting, green screens, like they're these aren't like big artistic films. These are giant big budget comic book movies. And they're fine. They're good movies. They're some in some cases great movies. Yeah. But it's not like watching The Dark Knight where you feel like you're watching something that's going to stand beyond its genre for years. It's like I don't think of 
Jeremy Renner as Hawkeye is like a notable role. No, definitely not. It wouldn't if we ever did career defining role. That would not be it. Um, Even and, like Chris Evans as Captain America, like to me is just like fine. He's, yeah, he's fine. He's 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 good. Same with Ruffalo. You know, they're all good. Yeah. Uh, and and Elizabeth Olsen, she's also in Civil yeah. War, and she's she's fine. Uh, and then of course you have Mission Impossible: Rogue Nation in 2015, and then you you flip to the other side of it. You have Elizabeth Olsen. <laughs> Uh, three most recent films, and she is just crushing it right now, and she's just going to keep going up, especially after this film. Yep. Uh, she did Ingrid Goes West this year. She's got Captain America Civil War last year as well, um, Scarlet Witch, mm-hmm. and uh, I Saw the Light in 2015. So you definitely see that jump. You see one movie a year for the last couple of years, and now it's really going to, I guarantee you, she's going to blow up in 2018, 19. She hosted a uh, screening at our buddy our buddy's house right um, uh aunt tambacus who wrote yeah Warrior. yeah a couple years ago probably yeah two years and change ago uh that i went to uh the screening of heat on yeah. the, on the roof of his place it was her and someone else hosted this there was like 12 of us so i went over and i had drinks with her and some other people for a couple hours watched this movie she was very nice she's really i didn't get to talk to her a whole lot but i was working that night i remember and you told me that she yeah. was there and i was like who Right, yeah. I mean, at that point, at that point, she had, she had been in the uh, the Captain America movies or the uh, the Avengers movies, but she was not regarded as somebody people were like taking super seriously yet. Yeah. Whereas I definitely think that after this movie, she's much more in that direction. Um, and just because she's the sister of the Olsen twins and everything, it's I think people are a little bit skeptical. I don't yeah, think they want to give the her Olsen credit. Ten, Olsen twins have kind of put a black mark in the uh <laughs> well she also hasn't like she didn't really start working and being and stuff till like 2011 2012 she yeah. didn't start acting until she was like 22 23 yeah she's definitely late late to the scene and she's she's incredible now and it's it's really interesting when you see that happen with, so, with like brothers and sisters that are in the industry and the, the the one that comes later on is more successful so i want to ask you about this because now we're talking about her character i found that her character in this movie was the least believable part uh, and I've been trying to put my finger on exactly why I felt that way, but something about her character didn't feel entirely believable. And these are these are the reasons that I could come up with that, that jumped out to me. First of all, she's very pretty. Um, she she seemed a little too pretty to be playing this role with this assignment at this age. In the mm-hmm. interview that I watched with with Sharon, he says her character is supposed to be twenty four years old. So that's that's three years graduated from college. Yeah, two years in some cases, like. Okay, so you you join the FBI straight out of college, maybe out of undergrad. So you've spent you know a, a, a while in training there for sure, and then you've spent maybe a year in Vegas, maybe, maybe like they you know like he says he's like you know the, the difference between uh, the Sicario character played by Emily Blunt and this character is that you know the Emily Blunt character is this character with like tons and tons of combat experience, but she's kind of physically outmatched in the situations she needs to be. Mm-hmm. Um, where he's he's like this this Elizabeth Olsen's character who's supposed to be the sort of the counter. This person with all of the, she's tactically and physically as capable as anyone, but with zero combat experience. And when he said that, I was just like, I don't look at her in this movie and feel like she is physically capable. I I don't, like, she's skinny. She's like, I just, it didn't make 100% sense to me that she would get sent out in the middle of winter to an Indian reservation in a blizzard to go investigate a murder by herself. And, like, the whole thing just seemed like, maybe that's real life, but it was like, no way. Yeah, and you and I talked about this a little bit yesterday, and, and my comment on it was like, maybe it would have helped if there was a little bit of exposition that, that explained her maybe messing up in Vegas that Something. got her sent to Wyoming, yeah. just to explain it a little bit more, to make it a little more believable. Uh, I understand that might have been that would have been really hard to put into the story, but I do see what you're saying, and it's not because she's like a pretty girl no. totally, it's because of kind of 
just the situation she's in because the the girl that dies, Natalie, right. is also very very pretty, very and pretty. you are led to believe that she runs six miles in the snow, with bare, you know, in bare feet, right? Uh, after being assaulted, and then you see later on that a grown man twice her size can't do like six hundred feet. Well, yeah, because the, the other thing about that is that uh, with, with the whole like her not being totally believable, there's. And and this is why it's so difficult, and this is why I feel so awkward sort of talking about because it. Because you know, you do think she does a great job. She's great. She's, She's fantastic. And in, in her scenes that she, like in her scene where in, where she shoots that guy, it's totally believable. And in the scene where she's your fist pump moment. Yeah, in yeah. the scene where she sort of has to calm everybody down and tell them to put their guns down, it's like she does have to control the situation. But also, the way they start her character off, where she shows up and she doesn't have any kind of warm clothing, and she's like. How far out is it? Like, as if she would have no idea of the terrain or what it's like to be in snow or how mm-hmm. cold it's really going to be. It was like, she felt like Sandra Bullock and the proposal, you know, go like like the, the fish out of water thing is more than she felt like a, like a super capable FBI agent in that moment. Yeah. And I know some of that's supposed to be these, like, male officers being like, you know, you're old enough just barely. But it's like... I just I wanted them to give her a little bit more like you needed more exposition. You needed a little bit more. I needed to feel like there was a reason this girl was in the FBI and that she was capable enough to make it on her own as a female in that field. Yeah, or if she was punished and being sent out there for a reason. Because you do, I mean, you understand, obviously, the point of her being out of her element is a huge part of why the story is great. But it's the same thing with Clarice Starling in Silence of the Lambs. You believe that she's out of her element, and you also believe why she's there. Yeah. It's It's because Hannibal Lecter's taken a liking to her. Correct. You know, and so if there was just something there to help... This is not a shot on Elizabeth Olsen and her performance by any means. We no. both think she's great in it. It's more so about uh, it's more of a comment on writing, I guess we could say. Yeah, or or, or a casting choice. Like she's she's great in the role. Mm-hmm. I just am trying to think who I would cast in that role that I would find more believable, maybe. Yeah. So, uh, so I want to move on to my uh, a little thing that I brought up in, in our intro here, which is our five favorite revenge films. Oh, this is a good one. Yeah, this is a good one. Uh, I think so. Let's let's uh, let's let's just sound off with with one at a time here. We'll, we're running a little short on time today, so we'll uh, speed through this one a little bit. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'll jump in first with Unforgiven, 1992, Best Picture. Uh, Clint Eastwood, one of the great revenge films ever made. Great western, um, just just awesome. He's he stays cool the whole movie. He stays calm the whole movie. He's not drinking. He's not uh, getting crazy. Yeah. Uh, but you know he plays William Money, the outlaw responsible for the deaths of you know hundreds of women and children and he's like yeah that's me and then uh, they kill morgan freeman and he has to take revenge and kill everyone yeah what's he say he's like sir you just shot an unarmed man you should be ashamed of yourself he's like should have armed himself before he put it decorated his bar with my friend yeah exactly yeah yeah i love that uh unforgiven's great i'm gonna jump in with um with braveheart Braveheart is one of the classics I grew up watching, one of the great revenge tales. And, I mean, obviously you know the end. It, it, it's tough, but yep. he, he definitely gets his revenge. Yeah, definitely. That's a sweet, sweet, sweet movie. Yeah. Uh, number number two on my list I'm going to go with is Gladiator. Is that also on your list? Oh, of course it's on my list. Yeah. God damn. God damn. <laughs> it's actually number two on my list, though. It's oh, did you rank the it? Top. I did rank it. I, I, you don't have to. But I didn't rank mine, yeah. That's fine. Um, yeah, Gladiator is just great because the revenge story is the whole film. Yeah, and the unveil the unveiling of who he is in the ring in the Coliseum is is incredible. That was a fun episode to do. Yeah, I that love was. that. Uh, going to my next one, since uh, you said Gladiator, I'll do The Count of Monte Cristo. Great movie. I love this movie, and I've watched it. I've watched it more times this year than I have in maybe ten years. Really? I don't know why. It's just always on TV, and I'm always watching it. I love that movie. One of the greatest revenge tales ever told. I've only seen it once, and it was probably. 
five years ago, six years ago. Really? Yeah. Oh, you gotta watch it again, man. And it's tough because Shawshank is an interesting revenge tale, but it's not really a revenge tale. It's more of like a... He's not really getting revenge. He's more so getting free. God, Justice. I, what's going I'm, on over there, man? I'm just like, I, I can't get comfortable. I don't know what's happening over there. I don't know if it's the chair. It <laughs> won't stay still or doesn't move well. Um, all right, number uh, number three for me I'm going to go with is uh, none other than John Wick. Okay, that's great. It's like John Wick's a true revenge story. Yeah. You know, yeah. They, they killed his dog. Period. Yeah. <laughs> End absolutely. of story. You all have to die. Do you think John Wick 3 is going to be good? <sighs> I don't know. John Wick 2 was good, but I almost think they should kind of stop there. John Wick 2 was good. In retrospect, I like don't have any interest in watching it again. Yeah, same. Not at all. I yeah. liked it, but I don't, I don't care to watch it again. Whereas I would watch John Wick 1 again for sure. Yeah. Yeah. My next one is I Saw the Devil. It's a Korean film. It's incredible. It's about uh, this like psychotic murderer that kills a police officer's wife at the beginning oh. of the film. And the whole movie is about this police officer basically chasing him down, but he keeps letting him go just before he kills him huh. and it's just it's good and it's scary and it stars my favorite Korean actor um, Choi Min-suk huh. and uh, he's just or Min-suk Choi he's just amazing uh, yeah Koreans know how to do their revenge crazy I've never even heard of that movie it's fantastic um, last second to last on my list is going to be Cape Fear Scorsese's 1991 remake of the uh, 1961 film I think it's 61 mm-hmm. um, and it's De Niro just being as De Niro as possible playing um character named max katie uh who's creepy as shit i need to watch this it's a good movie yeah. um it's been parodied a lot the parodied on the simpsons there's a sideshow bob episode where he is max katie uh, yes i remember because i was like what is this because you look creepy as hell yeah yeah it's great cape fear is awesome uh it's it's freaky it's weird Ileana douglas friend of the studio who has a podcast here called blame Den- i blame dennis hopper uh, has a great role in it oh and, really yeah she's oh, that's awesome cool and, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a great movie. Cape Fear's awesome. All right, my number one, hands down, without a question, greatest revenge film ever made, probably my favorite film ever made, period, even yeah. over Gladiator, but it's like I watch Gladiator more often. It's Old Boy. It's just, and this is the original Korean Old Boy, also starring my boy. Uh, it's just the greatest. It's the greatest revenge tale ever. And if Starring you Josh seen, Brolin, right? Starring Josh Brolin, <laughs> yes. Uh, if you haven't seen it, Go watch it as soon as this episode is over. It is it is the movie I think that everyone should watch more than any other film ever. I've still never seen it. I know. Yeah. Drives crazy. me crazy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and last on my list is going to be none other than Man on Fire. Boom. Tony Scott, 2003. People thought we were going to forget it. 2004? 2003? 2004? 2001, 2004. 2004. It is 2004. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, Man on Fire. I mean, John Creasy. He's, uh, Creasy's an artist. His art is death. He's about to paint his masterpiece. Yeah. He's the best. I love you, Creasy Bear. That movie's so good. Man on Fire is so good. It like talk about a movie that's aged well for me. That the first time I saw it, I thought it was just decent, and then the second and the third now, and the fourth times I've seen just it, better and better. I just think that that final scene in that movie is like one of the great moments Beautiful. of Tony Scott's whole career. It's like one of Dakota Fanning's great acting performances. Like, that movie is just really good. Um, it's intensely violent, but it's awesome. Yeah, and if you've never seen Man on Fire or Old Boy or any of the movies on this list, go watch them. We've covered a lot of them. We've covered over half of them on this show. Yep. Uh, we, like you said, we are running short on time, so we're going to breeze through production development. We're going to talk mainly only about Taylor Sheridan here. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about him. So he started his career in acting. Uh, he was on a bunch of TV shows, Veronica Mars, Tip Walker, Texas Ranger, and then he played David Hale in Son of Anar- Sons of Anarchy, which I didn't yep. ever watch that show. I think he was a cop, though. Um, he started, he like ended up writing a script after he turned 40. His first script he ever wrote was for Sicario, um, which is crazy. God damn it. But it's also like one of those good reminders that it's like you work in this industry, you do what you do, you act, you, you meet people. 
you love movies. You play the game. Yeah, and at a certain point, you decide. That's like what I keep saying to you is that you know people people ask me sometimes as a host, what do you want to do mm-hmm. forever? Like, what's your goal? What's the end game? And like, yeah, okay, I want to sure host the Tonight Show or something. Like, well, maybe I'll get to that point sometime in my career. But like, that's just like the hosting goal, which would be a great goal. And I want to interview people my whole life and get to meet these people I'm fascinated by. But also. I want to create stuff. Like, I love movies. I love television. I love stories. And it would be such an honor to write a script that was turned into something I was proud of. And I think you feel the same way. Yeah. And I don't doubt that at some point I will. Because I, I just think that that's what happens if you're in this world enough. you got ideas and you want to see those ideas actualized. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you and I have talked about writing an action movie. And it, it was kind of a joke, but it was never really a joke. It's definitely something that you and I would like to do one day. And I think that doing this show for as long as we have and, and covering the movies, uh, the array of movies that we have, yeah. is really going to contribute to that. So, yeah, Sicario was the first script he ever wrote. Um, he wrote a sequel called Comancheria, and that actually was turned in. It was in development for a few years. It was on the blacklist in 2012, and it was retitled Hell or High Water later and then released in 2016. It was nominated for Best Picture last year at the Oscars. I don't quite understand how that works because there's another movie now in development. It might be called Comancheria that is a sequel to Sicario, not directed by Taylor Sheridan, mm-hmm. um, not written by or... No, no, I'm sorry. It's written by Taylor Sheridan. It's not going to be directed by Denis Villeneuve. It's going to be a different director. But I don't really understand how that script could become Hell or High Water, because those movies feel disconnected to me, but you never know. Um, Go ahead. I was just going to say, I think that we should just really quickly rank the three of his films, and I wonder if they're the exact same. Yeah, I would imagine so. Wind River, Hell or High Water, and then Sicario. Yeah, easy. Yeah, for us, it's it's without a question. It's something that we thought might take a little bit longer, but that's it. Yeah, I'm curious to know what you guys listening to the show feel about that. If you watching, if you're watching live or anything like that, if you listen yeah. to this, do you think that Hell or High Water is a better movie than this? Do we Are we all mistaken and you think we missed something great about Sicario? It's interesting to think we may do Sicario on the show at some point because... It's, I think, the most action-y of these three movies, and it's an awesome enough movie that I could get into doing it. For sure. I, I, I think we'll definitely cover it on the show eventually. Yeah, So, but that would be my ranking pretty easily. I just think this is, this is the least complicated to enjoy movie, but it's also, I found, the most engaging movie yeah. by a pretty wide margin. Um, so, uh, continuing to go through sort of just the career stuff, though, that's basically where Taylor Sheridan came from. Um, he directed a movie called Vile, which was a 2011 kind of like low-budget horror movie as his first movie. Yeah. And then he wrote these scripts, but the first one of these three scripts he directed was this one. So this is only his second directed film, whereas Denis Villeneuve and... Uh, I always forget the name of David the McKenzie. David McKenzie, ...directed yes. the other two, respectively. Um, he's tapped to do a couple cr- pretty cool things coming up. He's got a remake coming out of a popular... Um, what is it? Like, it's a French film. And then uh, he's got a James Mangold film that he wrote the script for that's coming right. out. And uh, he created a television series called Yellowstone tar- starring Kevin Costner that is airing on Paramount uh, next year. Yeah. Um... So the Paramount Network, huh? So Paramount's yeah, going to have their own, set their own network. Oh, interesting. Uh, we're going to skip through producers today just because, again, this is the last time we'll say it. We're running a little short on time. You want to mention Berg? The, yeah, I just okay. think the big you names to throw Berg. out here is yeah, well, Basil, Basil and, and... Yeah, Basil Lanak is the head of Thunder Road Pictures, John Wick, a bunch of other big movies. He's a big action guy. Uh, and Peter Berg, who we obviously you know, directed Lone Survivor, directed Deepwater Horizon, Patriot's Day, created Friday Night Lights, the TV show. Um, yeah, he's a great producer, and that's pretty much that. And we so. love him as an actor, too. He's fun. He always pops up in his movies. Yeah, Pete Berg. Love him. Uh, so getting into the numbers in this movie, it was uh, released by the Weinstein Company for $11 million. That's all it cost them to make, which makes perfect sense, and I love that everyone was willing to get on board and, and get paid a small amount of money to make this incredible film. Yeah. Uh, it was released in August 
August 4th, 2017. It grossed $34 million, $34.8 million domestically, and it has not been released worldwide. And people asked in the uh, in the chat a couple AMA questions out there, and I'll try to pull up your names really quick, about this movie being a wide release. And I know it's going more and more wide right now. Yeah. Uh, I wish it was. I really do. It, it's tough to, to, to like put that much money behind that wide of a distribution when you know that this is one of those movies that could be great. Moonlight's great. Yeah. Everyone missed it in the yeah, theaters. Yeah, I, I wonder a little bit with this one because of the star power behind it, because Jeremy Renner is at least enough of a name mm-hmm. that if this will get a re-release in January ahead of the Oscars, I wonder if there would be a wide release of this movie that comes up. Because it's, it's a movie, if you look at the history of it, that's gone through a lot of... It's changed hands. Yeah. Uh, the distribution rights were acquired in May 2016 during Con originally, um, and then it was announced that they would no longer distribute it, but then the deal was finalized in August 2017, and then going wide August 18th. I wouldn't be surprised if there was a wide re-release of this movie in January. Yeah, for, for Oscar season. I really, really hope there is. Um, and then critically, this is this movie's fantastic. It also follows the formula of the show. It's got an 8.0 on IMDb. I'm, I'm actually kind of surprised it's not in the top 250. I feel like it should be, honestly. Already? Yeah, Interesting. I do, because usually it's like the highest ratings are the people that watch it first, uh, right. or they're the people that respond first. Um, it might get up there. We'll see. Uh, it's got an 86 by all critics on Rotten Tomatoes, an 87 by top, and a 92 by audience. Seems completely appropriate. Yeah, I agree. Um, it should be noted, if you want to throw this up on the screen for us, oh, Marissa's way ahead of us. Can we uh, she is. Can we enlarge that really quickly, just so we're not blind? Um, as far as Renner's movies go, on the subject of box office, you know, obviously right up at the top there, you've got... The, you know the, the three Avengers Age of Ultron and then Civil War and fourth you have you know Rogue Nation none of these movies are movies that are sold because of Jeremy Renner yeah Thor he's got a cameo so Born Legacy is the highest grossing movie to star Jeremy Renner that's number six on his list again based on a franchise you throw out Ghost Protocol uh, after that it's number eight Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters SWAT look at the three movies that are at the very bottom it's incredible. Yeah. How crazy is it that this is already his 12th highest grossing movie he's been in, and it's only made $34 million? Yeah. Like, this guy doesn't... If, if Jeremy Renner's in a movie, at this point in his career, I would have thought that this guy was, like, a little bit more of a draw. We're eight years into his career now. He gets to be in franchises, but he doesn't get to actually top-line movies that make money. And I do think that Born Legacy is a black mark in people's minds on his career. I think that that was his moment, and I think that people don't believe he can do it because of that. Yeah, it's such a bummer, because that movie is just fine. You know, it wasn't his fault. He does a good job in it. Yeah. Uh, Oscar Isaac is great in it. I should have been me. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, it's it's a bummer. I, I, I hope he gets another chance, because he's excellent. Do you I think, think he, he has it? Yeah. He, I, I don't does think he, he have has... Does he have the movie star charisma? Uh, not the kind we're talking about, but... Not the kind we're talking about, but this movie definitely made me feel like he had a lot more of it than I thought. You know what? He has movie star charisma. I take it back. He does. Hurt Locker, he's got it. He's got it in this movie. He's got it in the Mission Impossible franchise. Yeah. Like, he is, he is good enough in this movie. Especially in the most recent Mission Impossible. He's kind of the comic relief almost as much as Simon Pegg is. With in the his, fifth like, one. Yeah, with his kind of, like, backhanded delivery of things. Yeah, yeah. So I think he's good. Um, I, I'm a fan, and I, I don't think this movie will stay this low on the list. Um, I think this, oh no, it's not going to, it's not going to break the town. It's not going to make another $60 million. That's no, not going to happen. No way. So, um, let's continue moving down the list here, guys. We are going to talk about the next part of our show, which is favorite line. I'm so excited to talk about this. Oh, there really? are just so many great lines in this movie. I think that you, your fist pump, I think is my favorite line, but then again, not, it's not, it's the one that I was talking about. It's the one that I was talking about when he's, 
when he's uh, the whole speech about guilt or about uh, grief. He's and, talking about the dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're never going to be whole again. And the, and what you need to do is accept the hurt, because if you don't, you'll block out every good memory you have of her from her first breath to her last. Um, you, you know that that whole entire yeah. sequence was pretty pretty fantastic, pretty great writing. Uh, yeah, that's great. Uh, Richard Jarvia, a good buddy of ours, good fan of the show, said, uh, "How did he die? Whimpering. That's a great one. with a whimper. With yeah, a whimper. how did he go out? Yeah, with a whimper. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> my favorite line. God, there's so many. There's the the wolf one about hunting the wolves that yeah. I love. There's you know him talking to the dad. But I think my favorite part. Oh God, there's him at the end being like, "That's a warrior," you know, yeah. like telling that. That's a warrior. That's war. Yeah, he doesn't ever raise his voice, but it's it's definitely when he's talking to Elizabeth Olsen the yeah. first time about what happened to Natalie and how far she ran and what yeah. she did, and he's like, uh, "How do you judge a person's will to live?" Yeah, especially in these conditions. Especially in these conditions, and he's like six miles. He's like, "That's a warrior." Yeah, and it was just God. It, he's so good in this. The writing is so great. I just love it. I want to watch it again right now. Yeah, it's a good one. It's a good one. Um, all right, guys, we are going to get into uh, the, the last bits of the show here. Do we have an AMA question, or do we already go through them? Uh, really quick, Jesse Smith said, she made it six miles. You'll maybe make it 600 feet. Yeah. He's just like, I want you to run. And he shoots the gun. That actually is the only time he You yells. know, just before we before we finish it, and, and I, I did see a, a, a tweet about this, so I want to just make it make an address to it. Um the sexual assault scene and Barenthal and this entire sequence of the movie, because we haven't talked about it at all. Yeah, we, just, we definitely need to talk about it. Um, you know, what, one of the theses that I was considering was that this is the most terrifying sexual assault in a film in this generation of films, like at least in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. But it's too personal. It's too much of what I've seen. And there's, I think that's, this is, these are scenes that have happened in movies since like for 100 years. So I don't think it's a fair thing to say. It's more based on what I've seen, what I haven't. What I will say is that I found this to be a, a particularly frightening sexual assault scene in a film, and the reason for me is because when a when like a woman or a man is assaulted and they're by themselves, it's frightening. Like you know Andy Dufresne and, and Shawshank, and like it's frightening, but it's different than she's with her guy. Yeah, Norton in American History X. Yeah, she's with her guy, and he's like there to protect her but you know from the minute that it starts that that's how it's going to end you yes you, you know exactly what's going to happen from the moment you hear everyone get it which again the direction the direction in that yeah. scene is like it is brutally painful and he does that a lot where you know what's going to happen yeah but watching it unveil is is really what it's about it was just terrifying like from the second and and then and then all capped off of course by capped off by the moment that she gets away and she's by the door and she looks over at him for a second. And she just knows. And she's just like, if I stay here, I'm probably going to die too. Yep. And, and then he's done. And then I have to leave. I have to get out of here. And of course she dies anyway, but... It's six miles away and it's not... It, it's it's on her terms. Yeah. Not theirs, you know? And like... Oh, man. Yeah. yeah that uh, that scene is... It happens in movies all the time. Yeah. Um, and it's it's one of those things that when it happens in a movie, you know, there'll be people that are like, does this happen in the movie? Yeah. Yes. And they're like, I don't want to watch that movie. Right. Uh, and I get it. I completely, completely understand it. This scene, though, I don't want to say it's done beautifully because right. so- it, it's, it's a brutal incredibly hard to watch scene but the way that it's done is like i don't i don't like to use the word perfect a lot but it's pretty goddamn perfect yeah it's it's i mean like i said it's a it's horrifying that's a a frightening and horrifying thing that happens i mean you're a pretty big dude so am i you feel like we could probably hopefully protect someone that we were dating yeah hopefully could protect your girlfriend but 
in a situation like that with six or seven other grown ass men right that are it's, drunk, that's, that's why it's, it's like terrifying it's, as shit oh, yeah God. it's horrifying to watch it makes it makes you feel everything about it makes you feel that much more helpless and that much more terrified to watch mm-hmm. um so so yeah just 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 wanted to point out and then the one other thing uh that i didn't say as my fist bump but i almost wanted to say as my fist bump nothing to do with that scene <laughs> is the moment when she's standing knocking on the door of the trailer oh god and and uh Graham Greene is like, Jane, get away from Jane, the get away from the door. Yeah. <laughs> and she just gets knocked back. Did you think she was dead for a second? No. Not at all. I did for a second. Really? For a minute I was like, she's she's dead. Like that's the twist of this movie is they killed her. We we talk about uh this thing on the show a lot. Yeah. And we, we haven't mentioned it in probably almost a year. But the you know he's gonna die guy. Right. A hundred percent as soon as Graham Greene is in this film, Graham Greene is in the film, yeah. you're like, that guy's dead. Yeah, he's, he's gonna die at some point. Yeah. Uh, I want to throw this out. Ray said, uh, if you shy away from the pain then you rob yourself of every moment of her. That's, yeah. That's, that's, that's like, yeah. My favorite just, line, just yeah. beautiful. Too. Um, all right, man. So AMA questions. We covered most all the questions. I If I didn't say your name in reference to them, I apologize, but I do hope we covered them. Um, the three categories that we cover on the show, there's totally re- legitimate, totally ridiculous, and ridiculously legitimate. I feel like this movie uh, goes without saying. Yeah, it's totally legitimate. I mean, I just, those categories were a lot more relevant when the movies we covered were almost exclusively... Uh, fun action movies mm-hmm. because you could sort of try to draw the, but like when you cover a movie like this of course it's totally legit like unless it's a bad movie if it made you if a movie like this made you laugh yep. it would be a bad movie outright yeah yeah de- I think if if there's any moment in this film where you find yourself laughing I just can't imagine what it would be yeah right and I think it would be it would, that would take away from the movie it would make it a, a mediocre to bad movie so yeah. um, there's just one last thing we're going to do here on the show and that's going to be called The Pitch <laughs> Faked you guys out as I was going for the drink of the water. But. You faked me out, man. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, guys, we're next week on the show, we're doing the sequel to The Kingsman, Kingsman Golden Circle. Um, I got to tell you guys, I said this to you. Yep. The trailer, something about it, feels a little off to me. Yep. Um, we're definitely going to watch it. We're definitely going to cover it. I've got my fingers crossed. The reviews have been pretty decent. I'm just like, something You're, about it feels like this is a little too skeptical. over the top. I'm very skeptical. Um, yeah, I, I get, I definitely understand your skepticism. I, I disagree with it. I think it's going to be amazing. I can't wait to cover it on the show. We covered, uh, the original Kingsman about a year ago. Please go back and watch that episode. I'll, I'll throw it up on the page this weekend at some point. Uh, I love it. I, I really do. I love that. I love that franchise. Man. Remember guys, we got Kingsman Golden Circle this week. Then the following week, we've got American Maid, our next cruise installment on the show, which I can't friggin' wait. Right. God, I'm excited. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and I want, to, I want to say something about that as well. Uh, guys, I know that MoviePass.com... Well, I, I want to preface this with saying, I know movies are very expensive to go see in theaters. I live in Los Angeles where movies are the most expensive in the U.S. or some of the most expensive in the U.S. I know MoviePass has uh, a deal out there. It's $10. You can see any movie in any AMC theater, AMC theater one movie a day. Uh, that's amazing. Did you get it yet? Not yet, and I need to. Yeah. Uh, I'm planning on doing it. And <laughs> MoviePass, if you're watching this, throw some, throw can, some passes our way. Can I add... That. Yes, of course you can. Marissa Serafini in the booth, oh everybody. Sorry to ruin the movie show, for you. Um, <laughs> I have MoviePass. I've had it for three years, and it's great. There are a couple stipulations. You have to be physically at whatever theater location you're choosing to have, and you have to, you know, physically check in via app mm. on your phone. But it is a great deal, and um, you know they lower the prices so everyone can enjoy it. Yeah, ten dollars. Highly suggest it. But no arc lights, right? No, just no AMC. Lights. But there's one. There's one right in the same AMC promenade. Cinemarks, which are the the big chains out here in Los Angeles, but you you have to check your local theaters to see which ones honor the program. The Grove is legit, right? 
Yes. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. There you go. Uh, all right. Do you got anything else to say today, brother? No, I think that pretty much wraps us up, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for watching. If you want to follow along with the conversation, one last time, guys, check out the Action Movie Anatomy Facebook page. There's like 740 people in it now. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's growing. Between the two pages, we're close to 1,300 people now. Yeah, Action Army, obviously. Uh, you know, jo- Join those two, two groups if you want to have good conversations about movies. We're active in there all the time. Of course, if you want to find me personally, you can find me at Ben Bateman Media. Uh, you can find me at Andrew Guy. And you can find the podcast itself at AMA Podcast on Twitter. And you know what? Check out the uh, the Schmodown matches. We had a couple matches air in the last few weeks. Go check it out. The movie trivia Schmodown. Drew and I play some fun characters on there, and we are having a great time doing it. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you soon. Talk to you next week. Bye. From producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals.